0: So, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. 2 Peter Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. If you're worshiping with us at home, you have your Bibles or your Bible app. We are in the book of First Peter. Did I say Second Peter? I always do that. First Peter, uh, chapter 2, uh, is where we're at this morning. And so if you're new to the Bible and you're not sure how it all works, um, it's right near the back. So Revelation and Jude and John and, uh, and, then, and then Peter. So you can find it there. This morning's passage has... Some pretty large implications for the church at this particular moment in history. A global pandemic has brought out both the best and the worst. In Christianity. And while many of you are deepening your connections to Jesus, taking this time perhaps to read more scripture than you ever have before and really starting to think about your your witness and thinking about the call that God has put on your life to share the gospel and, and, and to make disciples and to tell other people about Jesus. Many of you are doing that and that's incredible. But some are falling away. And to this global church in February 2021, and to Bridgeway Church specifically in Swift Current Canada, Peter has some inspired things to say to us this morning. Not just about Valentine's Day, but about our entire lives. God's Spirit has something that he wants to say to us this morning. So our letter from Peter starts out with this idea. The very first thing Peter wants us to know is we're not supposed to fit in. And I think in some ways, I look at uh, the Christian church, particularly in the Western world, and perhaps, perhaps we've done too well at fitting in with everyone around us. Peter reminds us that we have been called to live lives that are different, to live holy lives, to chase after God. We live in reverent fear of God our Father. And reverent fear is not that, that, that terrified thought that he's going to get mad and get us. No, that's, that's not what it's all about. Uh, it's, more, it's more that his love for us is so incredible, we just don't want to ever disappoint him. You remember that song that they taught you when you were a little kid? Maybe they still sing it at Bible camp or Sunday school. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see, right? And then the second verse, oh, be careful little ears what you hear. And oh, be careful little mouth what you say. That song we all sing, but it's this next line that just gets me all the time. There's a father up above who is watching or listening in love. And I think to myself, that, that is truth that we teach to our kids. And we forget about it when we get older. I don't live in reverent fear of God's wrath and the fact that he's out to get me. I live in reverent fear of his disappointment. I don't want him to be disappointed in me. And so we move into the second chapter of Peter, where Peter starts to talk about what this looks like in our lives. And and here he's talking about the horizontal and, and the vertical. How do we live our best Christian lives now focusing on the horizontal and the vertical? So the first thing that we want to deal with this morning as we look at this passage is the the horizontal. There's things in our lives that we need to put away, we need to put aside. Things that we need to give up, to surrender. It's Lenten season soon. Uh, Ash Wednesday is coming up this Wednesday. And I know for some of you, one of the ways that you mark Easter season is you just take the time and, and you think about something in your life and you give it up for those 40 days leading to Easter. Right? That's one of the ways that we mark Lenten season. And, and this, this, this year we were sitting around the kitchen table and Elaine looks at me and she goes please Nick, whatever you do do not give up coffee or chocolate or sugar. Please whatever else you decide to do to mark. I think I might get a little too miserable <laughs> when I give those things up. And, and that was a sacrifice that Elaine was not willing to make. Grumpy husbands. Am I right ladies? Okay, I'm not the only one. But I'm praying through this passage this week and here's some things that maybe would be good to give up and and maybe, maybe not just for Lent Peter uses the term get rid of in my New Living Translation. If you have another English version, maybe it says put away or or lay aside. The the Greek word here literally means to get undressed, to take off your dirty clothes, right? Okay. When you come in from the barn and you smell like the barn and you've been wrestling calves out in... in, You take off those clothes, otherwise your wife is going to let you have it, right? Take those clothes off before you walk in the house. And many of you work jobs where that's a part of what you do as well, right? When you're done your day, you take off what you are wearing. Nurses take off their scrubs and the things that they wore at the hospital before they come home. Truck drivers come home and they take off their overalls and whatever they were we're wearing when they were working on those greasy trucks. Teachers of high school students need to take off their jackets because they all smell like axe spray from the 15-year-old boys in the high school or something like that. But what do we need to get rid of? What is it in our lives that we need to to take off? Peter suggests there's five horizontal things that we need to put off. Evil behavior, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. We're just going to go through those real quick here this morning. Put off evil behavior. Now, a lot of translations use the word malice here. Malice, it sounds so ominous, right? But I don't know if all of us exactly know what the word malice means. What does malice mean? You use that word a lot. I do not think it means what you think it means. It sounds bad, but what is it? Malice refers to the evil actions that characterize the outside world, the pagan world. It's a general term for evil in all its various forms, all the ways that it can sneak in. Malice is particularly that desire to hurt somebody else with either our words or our actions to make them pay i'm gonna get you for what you did i'm gonna make you pay that's malice that's the smoldering resentment that makes us lash out at other people put off deceit peter says next and and peter was a fisherman And, and you know the word here in the greek it's actually it's actually a fishing word it's a fisherman's term meaning to bait the hook those are the tricks that we play to get our way, right? The manipulation of others, the way that we use words, the lies that we tell or, or, or the truth that we omit to get what we want to make ourselves look better. Stop baiting the hook. Deceit is the most clever form of deliberate dishonesty. Then it says, put off all hypocrisy. And this word here comes from the theater. It's a Greek word that means to put on a mask. Stop putting on a mask. It's a mask that an actor would put on when they're playing a role or playing a part. It's not real. It's not genuine. It's just pretend. And and a hypocrite is somebody who pretends to be something that he isn't. Hypocrisy. Put off jealousy. Oh, my goodness. Someone said jealousy is the last sin to be confessed in the Christian church. Jealousy, or envy, is one of the seven deadly sins. Envy is found in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet, right? In fact, in the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs warns us that envy rots our bones. Wow, that's powerful. There are serious consequences, when we are not putting off jealousy. It is like poison that seeps into our soul and transforms us into resentful, angry, bitter, grouchy, critical people. And then the last thing on Peter's list is put off unkind speech. And just in case you thought you were doing good with the first four, there's this one, right? Slander is the words that we choose that bring death to a situation instead of bringing life. It includes gossip, backbiting, spreading rumors, passing along a bad report, taking cheap shots, using sarcasm to belittle others. Guilty. Um, I've struggled with this. I know all of this because I struggle with it. See, I've I've been given a gift by God to use words, and, and sometimes, hopefully, often, I use those words to encourage people. But once in a while, I use my words to tear other people down. Especially if they've been unkind to me first. It's like, if you're going to be mean to me, I'm going to get you back. That's how the world thinks. That's not how a Christian following Jesus thinks. I need to repent of that behavior. Let me just take a moment and, and pause right there. Evil behavior, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, unkind speech. The Holy Spirit is probably nudging you with, with one of those. Right? When you became a Christian... These are garments that became out of fashion. You you don't wear them anymore. You changed your wardrobe, and these five things went out of style the moment that you became a Christian. Don't put them in the back of your closet so that you might wear them again sometime in the future. Don't go dropping them off at MCC for someone else to wear. These are garments that you need to throw away. And, And if you notice... All of them are relational sins. They're how we mistreat each other. This morning I've called them horizontal sins. One of the things Peter said to us last week is just so simple. Love one another. True birth, new birth is marked by love for one another. It's the proof that you have a new life in Jesus if you love for others. Love for others is the evidence that Jesus is now in charge of your life and you no longer are. Love for others is the verification of what you say you believe as a believer. Love for others is your testimony. Love for others is your witness. Love each other. So those are the five ways that Peter says we need to work on loving each other better, the the horizontal. Let's take a look at verse 2 now and look at the vertical It says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of your salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now, I got to be honest with you, this is a hard verse for me right now. (laughs) We got two babies at home one is seven months old, and one is two months old, and man, do they know how to cry. It seems like that's all they do is cry. And it's bad enough when it's like 5.30 in the evening and you're trying to eat a meal in peace and they're sitting there crying. But my goodness, when it's one thirty in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning, that really messes with us. If Elaine isn't quick enough to get up, I'd nudge her. It's like, go get the babies. She's like, you know, <laughs> you could help at 4 in the morning. My sweetheart, Elaine, she raised four of her own boys and now she has all these foster babies that Jesus has asked us to love and to invite into our home. It's not easy. It's a ministry that he's asked us to do, and if we don't depend on him, I was thinking about that this week, this idea in in Peter, and, and, and the little guy is just laying there on the couch, and he's all content, and then all of a sudden, just there's a switch that gets flipped, and all of a sudden, he is freaking out. He is screaming because it's supper time. It's time to eat. And he's got this infallible and unmistakable way of letting us know that he's hungry. He literally shakes. His entire body gets involved in the process. He's demanding food with every single fiber of his being. Wow, and for the life of me, I cannot figure out how such a little guy can make such a loud, annoying noise. It's like, what is going on here, Lord? It's like, and nothing is going to get accomplished in our house until that baby gets fed. Nothing else is going to happen until that baby gets fed. Now, here's the thing. As you're looking at this picture, here's the thing. Because Jesus says to you, this is how I want you to feel about me. This is how I I want you to feel about the pure spiritual milk that I give. This is the kind of attitude I would like to see in you when it comes to my word. I would really love it if you felt the same way about your spiritual food as that little baby feels about physical food. I would would love that. That's what Jesus says to us. Crave. And that thought eviscerates me. You've been a follower of Jesus for a little while now. Has it gotten kind of stale for you? A little ho hum? tad boring? Is this beautiful Christian life not all that it's cracked up to be? You've encountered some difficulties, and you're second-guessing whether or not you should have done this. You want to go back to Egypt. You're looking back. You've taken your hand off the plow, and and you're turning around back to the—are you second-guessing? Or do you still crave that spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of your salvation? This is the vertical aspect of our lives— How we relate to God. And God says, it's okay if you crave me and my word the way a baby craves milk. See, just as a baby cannot grow without milk, you cannot grow without the word of God. Your spiritual life will starve to death. So let me put these two thoughts together then. Number one, we are to lay aside the dirty clothing that hinders our love and our affection for each other. That's verse one. And then number two, we are to earnestly crave the pure milk of God's word that's going to help us grow. That's verse two. So verse one describes the horizontal sins and verse two describes the vertical reality of the spiritual growth and a closer walk with Jesus. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, Lord, let it be. And see, here's the thing that we often miss. Here's here's the point that, that sometimes we overlook, and it is that the horizontal can really mess up the vertical in our lives. The horizontal can really mess up the vertical, and the way that we treat each other has a direct bearing on our relationship with Jesus. Here's how the beloved disciple John puts it. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we do not love the people that we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Here's what Pastor Ray Pritchard says. He says, you can treat people unkindly and gossip about them, and harbor bitterness. You can have a sharp tongue and a critical spirit, and you can look down your nose at people who aren't like you, and as long as you do that, you will never grow spiritually. Even if you come to church four times a week and go to Bible study every other day, those relational sins will choke off the Word of God in your life. And that explains why some people can come to church for years and never get better. They're harboring a relational garbage pit on the inside. They make excuses for their envy. They ignore their gossip. They make light of their cutting comments, and they justify their meanness towards others. And they do not grow because they cannot grow. End quote. Is it possible that God seems distant from you right now, right at this point in your life, and it has nothing at all to do with COVID? That God is distant and He feels distant, and it's completely unrelated to you not being able to come to the church building on a Sunday morning. Is it possible that God feels distant to you right now because you have unfinished business with another believer? Your elders here at Bridgeway are are reading a book together. We like to read a book together once, once a year. And the book that we've chosen this year is called Resolving Everyday Conflict by Ken Sandy. And here's what he says. He says, the gospel is both vertical, bringing a reconciliation between God and human beings, and it is also horizontal, bringing peace between individual people and groups the horizontal, and the vertical. You see, here's the thing. You sometimes sense something's wrong in your relationship with God, the vertical. He feels a little distant to you. He seems like he's far away, and and that is often his way of letting you know that there is something wrong in one of your horizontal relationships. He pulls himself away so that you can see clearly that there's something not right in a horizontal relationship that you have with another human being. You're not loving that other person, but the answer and the solution and the right response does not Begin with mustering up some kind of reluctant obedience by yourself. That person is irritating to me, and so now I got to go talk to them. And okay, the Lord told me to do it, and all my friends are telling me I need to do it. If you do that, the other person is going to sense that it's not genuine, anyways, and it'll have virtually no effect the most that you can hope for is a cessation of the hostilities because it's really not about slavish obedience to the law, to stopping your malice, ending your deceit, stopping being a hypocrite, not being jealous, not being unkind in your speech. If you just focus on all the things that you're not going to do anymore, that's just human effort at being nice and it's doomed to failure. And Maybe that's why so many people have so much trouble with Lent. Well, with giving something up for 40 days leading to Easter because we don't like to give something up. And the true meaning of Lent is not to give something up. You just missed the whole point. The whole point of Lent is that you cling to something that is better. You give up chocolate so that you can savor Jesus, you give up coffee so that Jesus can be your morning wake up. You give up sugar so that Jesus can be your sweetness. And so this morning what I want to do in the short time that we have together is I just want to take a moment and I want to, I want to stoke your craving, okay? Because what you have in Jesus... <laughs> is the best thing out there. There's nothing at all like it. You could search the whole world for something else and you won't find it. You, you could travel to every other region of the world and you would not find anything better than Jesus. You could try out every other religion and you will not find anything better than Jesus. You can experiment with all kinds of exotic foods and you could have all kinds of crazy psychedelic drugs put into your body. You could have all kinds of crazy relationships with all kinds of crazy people and none of it, none of it, None of it will ever come close to the amazing thing that you have going in Jesus Christ. Do you know how lucky you are to have Jesus? Do you have any idea? You have tasted the Lord's kindness. And when you're focused on that mean thing that that somebody else did to you, you need to think about Jesus. You need to think about the cross. You need to think about forgiveness. You need to think about his love for you. And you forgive that other person. Because Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to you. He's the best thing that's ever happened on the entire planet. He's the best thing that's ever happened in human history. And when you're messed up with malice and you're focusing on that other person and you want that other person to pay for what they've done and you just want to see them repent with burning coals on their heads. That's in Scripture. And you just want to see them grovel for a little bit. You think about Jesus, and you think about his love for you, and you think about how he's never made me grovel once. I've done some really awful things, and he's never once asked me to grovel. He never holds my sins against me. He never brings up my past, and so I think about Jesus and let go of the malice. And when you're tempted to lie, to use deceit to make yourself look better, to make the other person look worse, think about Jesus Pastor Darren said it. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth, the pure, unadulterated truth. He doesn't have to make himself the hero of his story. And guess what? You don't have to either. You're not supposed to be the hero of your own story. So stop your self-deception. Stop your self-deceit. Think about Jesus and just tell the truth. And when you're saying one thing and, and, and living another way, when, when you're tempted to fake it till you make it, when you want to put up a wall to guard yourself, when you want to erect that false front so that other people will think that you're better than you actually are, think about Jesus. Think about, think about who you are in him. you're a child of God he's declared you to be righteous he's got all all of eternity waiting for that think about Jesus think about the absolute security that you have because you are a child of God he says I give you eternal life and you'll never perish no one can snatch you out of my hand like you are so secure because you are a child of God you don't you don't need to have a mask take it off don't worry about what other people will see or say. Just think about Jesus and take that mask off. And when you're filled with envy and when you're coveting something that somebody else has and you're looking at your own life and you're going, oh, man, I wish I, I, wish I had a little more of that or, or a little. When jealousy rears its ugly head in your life, think about Jesus. Don't worry about what the other person has that you might not have because what you have in Jesus, it's like all the treasures on earth rolled into one. It's like you've actually found the treasure at the bottom of that pit at Oak Island, and they're never going to find anything there, I tell you. But, but because of your faith in Jesus, you've won the jackpot. You have all the treasures, like Captain Kidd's treasure and William Shakespeare's writings, whatever they think is down there. You have something that's so much more incredible and valuable. You have won the lottery when it comes to Jesus. In Jesus, you are richer than Jeff Bezos So think about Jesus and be content in that. Man, what do I need when I already have everything? And your tongue, oh my goodness, that little tongue of ours gets us into so much trouble, doesn't it? James calls the tongue a restless fire. A deadly evil. Even when I preach God's words, sometimes it seems like my own tongue can get me into so much trouble. People get hung up on the words the preacher is preaching instead of focusing on Jesus. And it's just, oh, forgive me, Lord. Think about Jesus. Just think about Jesus. One thing that I love about the Gospels is those moments when Jesus is being accused by someone, and they've got—they've already decided that he's guilty. He's already been impeached, and he doesn't say a word. He doesn't defend himself. He doesn't say anything. Isaiah says, like a sheep before the shears, he doesn't say a word. He just simply rests in God. So whenever your tongue wants to wag, you want to defend yourself, just think about Jesus. Think about the Son of God turning the other cheek, not defending himself, simply trusting the God who hears all, sees all, judges all. Think about Jesus and just release your need to engage in that unkind speech. Beloved Jesus freaks, (laughs) you are strangers in a strange land. This is not your home. You have a salvation that is beyond price is so valuable. And yes, you face difficulty and opposition that tries and tests your faith in Jesus, but you have a living hope in him. Yet, not I, but through Christ in me. There's this wonderful joy ahead for you because of Jesus. Because of your Jesus. So just... Think about Jesus and then love each other. You have tasted the Lord's kindness. And that, my friends, that makes all the difference in the world.
1: There's a story in John chapter 5. We were just reading a few days ago in a youth group. A paralyzed man lying by the pool. He had waited 38 years. He had healed, and Jesus walked by and asked, "Do you want to get well?" Now, enacting this out in a youth group, I may have laid down on the floor and been paralyzed for a couple seconds, and then stood up, trying to show the youth group the shock of what it would have been like to be 38 years on the ground and then one day, Jesus says, "Pick up your mat, go home. What are you doing? Take your bed." You're fine. Jesus bumps in him later at the temple. And Jesus says, take care of your sin. That's what he said. Otherwise, something even worse than being paralyzed could happen. Stop sinning. Because he needed more than just his legs healed. He needed his heart mended. Jesus had given him a great gift. He could walk again. But don't squander that gift. Take care of your heart. Just like a baby crying in the back row of the church, craving that spiritual milk. First Peter talks about us being a priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people, the gift of the living hope in Jesus. It's all a gift. It's all a gift. So don't miss that. Don't squander it. Crave that milk. Man, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, too often, even in my own heart, it's just easy to revert back to my sin. It's just, it's easy. It's easy to, to fall back into envy. It's easy to fall back into pride. It's easy to fall back into jealousy. And it's easy to fall back into anger. It just feels so natural to, uh, yeah to live in those places and then I read these stories and I read this letter from Peter and it's humbling again you've called me holy set apart you've called me a priest you've called me chosen why do I keep going back to these things I know that I shouldn't you've given me this incredible gift and I keep squandering it I keep treating it like it's ordinary even when it's not Lord, would you start inside of my heart and would you work inside the hearts of our church family? Each day, Lord, as we get a brand new start as the sun rises one more time, your mercies are brand new. Would we appreciate this gift that we've been given, this living hope, this brand new life? And would we walk away from the sinful things that used to chain us up? And would we live in the freedom that you've given us? Would we show this world the freedom that you offer to them? Help us, Lord. We're going to need you for this. We can't do this on our own. We want to live like you. Take care of us, Lord, until the next time that we can be together again. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.